Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Self, that your name is not like everybody else's name. Jesus, you've been given a name that is more powerful, more anointed, more capable than any other name. I pray that, Father, we would remember that when we say the name Jesus, that All of heaven turns and attention is focused because of the power of that name. Our enemy trembles at the power of that name. Sickness gets sick at the power of that name. Fear gets scared at the power of that name. So I pray that we wouldn't come together and use your name lightly. That we wouldn't go through the week and forget that at the mere mention of your name, you're there. I pray this morning you would remind us that we have a name we can call on when we need help. That you know us, that you love us. Father, I pray that this week, we would be very conscious to call on your name on a moment-by-moment basis as we hope to see the greatest harvest for your kingdom this year around our celebration of the resurrecting power of Jesus that flows in us. I pray that you would anoint more than just our service on Sunday and our Easter egg hunt and our remember room. I pray that you would anoint each of us as ambassadors of your grace that we would have the opportunity this week to point people as their attention begins to focus many times on the wrong thing they will focus on Easter bunnies and eggs and candy but I pray that in those conversations you would enable us to turn the attention to the one name that's been given whereby men can be saved we would be faithful to that In Jesus' name. Come on, would you say that with me? In Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you this morning. We're delighted that you're here. We always like to, uh, brag is the wrong word, so uh, testify. That sounds more holy, doesn't it? Instead of brag, but we're really bragging. It's what we're really doing. (laughs) I want to brag on some of our folks this morning. A couple, uh, three of our teenagers that I'm aware of, uh, Jenny, Jade, and Kyler, um, all uh, qualified yesterday for nationals, so they'll be going to request this. What are, are y'all in here? I see one. Would you, if, if you were one of the ones that won, wave at us. Okay, two. I see two. Who? Okay, all over the place. All right. So, I was going to do an altar call. I saw hands, but you know, that's what pastors do. The second one I want to talk about is uh, because this is a big deal for us. I believe um, in our community, we want we don't want you just to come to church here. We want you to have impact in our community. We believe that God placed you in this community for a purpose. And so uh, 
we are so proud to announce this morning, if you didn't already know, that one of our own, uh, Coach John Arthur, was named as the head coach of the Bethany High School football team. And so we're excited. We're excited for them. And uh, uh, y'all pray for April. Uh, I really ought to say they named the head coach John in April because I know who's doing the coaching. It's just that, that okay, but they're going to do great. And uh, I've talked to several people in, in the school area, and I think one of the things that we're really excited about is not about win, wins or losses. We're excited about the fact that somebody that loves Jesus so much is going to be impacting a whole school of young men. And so that's, a, that's an incredible opportunity for us. And last but not least, let me do this because it's incredible how small the world is. I just want to show you how small the world is, all right? Uh, Julie grew up in Duncan, Oklahoma, uh, went to a church called Gospel Beams. Uh, this, like, five years ago, because she was, you know, okay, y'all, I'm going to, that's brownie points, okay? She grew up in a youth group. There were a couple of guys in that youth group that she was friends with, uh, Scott and Jason Morris. We had no idea that Scott and Jason were going to grow up and be pastors. Scott's the pastor. I'm going to get the name of the church wrong. South Point, is that right? South Point, he's the lead pastor over there. Jason Morris is the campus pastor at People's Church in Midwest City. And it just so happens that Jason Morris got married and had a little girl by the name of Jess. And it just so happens that now Andrew saw this young lady named Jess and just fell in love, head over heels, and they got engaged a couple days ago. So we're excited for Andrew and Jess. Yeah, we'll take credit for that one too because, you know, all right, so, yeah. Small world, we're excited for you guys, and we welcome you with open arms to Passion Church, and you've got your hands full and a lot of work to do and some training to do, but it'll happen. All the married men said amen. It will happen, like it or not. All right. So I lost all my brownie points right there. Okay. So now that my man card's gone, let's talk about This Is Us. We've been talking about This Is Us. Many of you are, are, have been watching the show, crying to the show, uh, and now you're like in like you're in trouble because the show is on like a little hiatus. You know, they do the season ending, and now, now, you, don't, now you don't have anything to cry to, men. And so, like, you've switched back to sports and hunting, and you're, you're just sitting around the house grunting instead of actually showing emotion because the show's off. So, but we've been talking about This Is Us. We talked about the fact that Jesus takes a considerable amount of time. He walks up to the top of a mountain because Jesus always calls his followers to come up higher. And he positions his, his followers higher on, the, on a mountain, and he sits down and he begins to talk to them about us. We've talked about the fact that he said that uh, when he, he's discussing us, he says we're blessed. We've talked to, about the fact that he says we're square pegs and spotlights, salt and light. We've talked about the fact that he said that we're extras, that, that we, we're not the main show, that he's the show. We're to point all of our attention to him. We've talked about the fact that he said we're to be grown-ups. We're not supposed to react like everybody else reacts. We talked about last week that we're supposed to be chilling. We're not supposed to freak out all the time because he's in control and he cares, right? So let's continue. We're going to wrap it up this morning. Will you join me in Matthew chapter 7 as Jesus uh, begins to do his closure of his message called the Sermon on the Mount, is what we call it, uh, and, and we're going to finish it this morning. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 5. Then we're going to skip down to verse 15. 
Uh, what we're going to read first is probably the most misused, misinterpreted passage of Scripture in the entire New Testament in today's age. So we're going to try to help you a little bit. It says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. Anybody ever told you, don't judge me? And they quote that, okay, they don't know what they're talking about. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the, to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye" when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. Now, down to verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. doesn't say by their words. It says by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not, did not I prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus concludes this epic message that has now uh, extended even to our day as one of the greatest messages ever preached. There are volumes written about this particular message that Jesus preached. He comes to this conclusion, this conclusion and this conclusive moment in this message and he's still talking about us and he makes this declaration about us. He says, this is us. Fruit inspectors. All right? That's who we are. That is what he's called us to. Jesus says that we are fruit inspectors. He makes it extremely clear that if we are going to successfully navigate life, and that's what we're trying to do, is we're trying to successfully navigate life and relationships, then, then he says to us that we are going to have to be able to move in and out of relationships and be able to discern or to examine fruit. Now, our problem is this. Uh, he says that every tree bears fruit. We bear fruit. Whether you know it or not, you are bearing fruit every day of your life. Whether you recognize it or not, every person that you have interaction with, whether just a moment through a drive-thru or uh, several hours at work or an extended period of time in your house, whether we call it or recognize it as this, they are literally bearing fruit. That's what we do. So we are called to be fruit inspectors. The dilemma is, is that we use Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, which says, Judge that you be not judged, 
to try to avoid this responsibility in our life. And we will use that same passage of Scripture to keep people from inspecting our fruit because we misuse it and we don't understand what he's actually saying. So Jesus tells us that as, as followers of his that we are to inspect fruit. So this is what he does. I, I, I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't just tell us that we're supposed to be something and then doesn't lay it out for us how to do it. He gives us an order. That's what Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 5 is all about. It is about a specific prescription of order that we are supposed to examine fruit. Are you with me? Okay, so he says that the very, there's a first fruit. Y'all know that's a real biblical term because we use that when we talk about tithe. But there's a, in this particular case, it's not talking about tithe. There is a first fruit that we must inspect. And the first fruit that we must inspect is our own. Okay, see, we get it all jacked up because we want to inspect everybody else's fruit and we don't want to inspect our own fruit. Jesus says that if we're going to navigate correctly, we must start with us. That's what he's talking about. That's why he's saying, look, quit looking at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and deal with your own plank first. You cannot examine everybody else's life if you're not willing to go down the prescribed pattern, which is first, I examine my own issues. And I know none of y'all got issues, but I got issues. I, I, I got a subscription to issues, all right? I, I, I've got a reoccurring, anybody got any reoccurring issues in your life? And Jesus is trying to tell us that it is not right for us to go out and try to help everybody else deal with their issues if we aren't first willing to deal with our issues. See, that, that verse in Scripture is misquoted, but we've got to understand that he is saying it is acceptable, and, and in fact, it is required that we judge. But not if we're not willing to judge our own life first. How many people do you know that want to judge everybody else that won't let, will never take a moment to judge their own life? They set in judgment over everybody else, but they will never stop and say, well, maybe I've got problems too. Maybe it's not their problem. Maybe, okay. Uh, how many of us are quick to judge someone else's dust, but we give ourselves a pass on our plank? Right? Isn't this what we do? This is what we do right here. I will judge your intentions. And I will offer grace and mercy to my actions. Y'all missed that. I will judge your intentions, but I will, I, I will take a free pass on my actions. So if you look at me wrong, I judge your intentions, but I can, I can, I can treat you wrong, but they deserved it. Oh, I'm preaching bad. Okay. So, see, see we, we, we don't want to ju ju judge not that you be not. Don't, don't judge me. And Jesus is saying, look, start with your own fruit. You are bearing fruit. You cannot help but bear fruit. It is apparent from what Jesus says in this passage that he wants us to be able to judge. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to help us to start with our own fruit. Here's why. So we won't become hypercritical. Oh, man. So that we won't... He, Jesus was a nice guy, but if you got him riled a little bit, he would kind of go off on you, wouldn't he? He's like, you hypocrites. We hate, I, anybody else hate that word? I hate that word, man. If you want to push like, 
Christians button. You just call them a hypocrite. And they go like, it's like on, man. It's like WWF, UFC, all rolled up in one. Now you call me a hypocrite, I'll, right? But Jesus was trying to show us that if, if we're not careful and we won't examine our own fruit, we become hypercritical so that I'm judging you with no one judging me. It's an accountability issue. Jesus is literally calling for introspection of our own lives for us to be very honest and to be very transparent and evaluate our own life so that we won't allow ourselves a pass on our own sinfulness our own slothfulness, our own slackness, and I will hold you in judgment for everything else. He's saying examine your own fruit. He informs us that the practice of fruit inspection will allow us to go through life successfully, but, but it will create a mess if we don't start with ourselves. So he says it like this. He says, with the same measure that you measure judgment, you will be judged. If you don't allow somebody into your life, that, uh, or if you won't take the time in your own life to examine your fruit, then what will happen is you will be too harsh with everybody else, and then you will get the same judgment back to you. So this is what happens. If we don't check our fruit, listen to me very carefully. If we don't check our fruit, this is what happens. We begin to use gifts without mixing it with character. This is a Pentecostal church, so we like to talk about gifts sometimes, right? So if we don't allow ourselves, if we don't take the time to, to examine our own fruit, we will begin to operate in the gifts, and we won't allow the Holy Spirit to work any character into us. So this is what happens. Let me, let me give you an example. We begin to operate in the spirit of discernment. But if we don't examine our own fruit and we don't allow character to be added to it, then this is what happens. I begin to discern that you have an issue. And rather than allowing that discernment to be a vehicle by which I can build you up with no character, I will begin to use that gift to tear you down. I discern that you've got sin in your life, so I'm going to beat the dog out of you about the sin in your life because I don't have any character in me enough to go, you know what, I need to deal with my own sin. Then I will approach them gracefully and say, hey, I struggle too. And this isn't just about you. This is about us. We want all of us because he says if you see a brother that's falling into sin, go and help them. But I can't do that if I don't mix character with my gifts. And character comes through examining my own fruit and allowing him to check my fruit. Are you, are you fruity? Don't answer that question for the person next to you. Some of y'all real, okay. Um, but, but we have to be on this daily system. I live 24 hours today. At the end of the day, I need to sit down and evaluate and go, did, did I produce any good fruit? Because you will bear fruit. It will either be good fruit or bad fruit. And how many of you know some days you can evaluate that and go, I did really good. Like it was a bumper crop. Like, like the farmer liked me today. But how many of you know there are other days I go, ooh. I probably need to do some work. Anybody? Just me. Okay. All right. So, so he says, examine your own fruit. That's the first fruit. But Jesus also talks about a next fruit. There is a next fruit that we are to examine. The next fruit that we look at after we deal with first fruit. Here's the order. First fruit, then next fruit. We deal with first fruit. Now it's time for next fruit. The next fruit that we examine is the people around us. 
See, this is where it gets dicey because but we, we, especially in the last 10 years, judge not that you be not judged, has caused us to be unwilling to be honest about the people around us. So we don't want to judge anything. Jesus is saying, boy, you better judge. You better examine the people around you and the fruit of their life. To, and, and then he tells us why. He says, judge the fruit around you, the people around you. I don't even need to take you into Proverbs and tell you that bad company ruins a good character. I don't even need to use that verse of Scripture on you because Jesus talks about it like this. He says, inspect the fruit of those around you. And then he tells us why. He says, you need to do that to protect your life and your destiny from, and then he uses this term, false prophets. He says, if you can learn to examine the fruit of the people around you, you can protect yourself from false prophets. See, a lot of us find ourselves in trouble simply because we give people access into our life to speak words over us that have no, no right and no place to speak words over us. And they are, they are literally speaking fruit into our life. The, the dilemma is, is they're false prophets. Okay, I'm going to help you. Okay. They are trying to derail your life. So let me, let me give you a very good definition, I think. I, I wrote this definition myself, so I hope I'm right. What is a false prophet? What is a false prophet? Let's get really practical. I believe that a false prophet is someone who paints an incorrect or inaccurate picture of your future and then tries to convince you that that's what God has planned for you. That was good. Y'all don't have to amen me. I've been amening myself all week long on that definition right there. I might write myself a dictionary. I like my definitions because that is literally what a false prophet does. They, with their words, they begin, it's like they've got a canvas. Their canvas is your life. It's your destiny. It's your future. They, they, uh, they speak words out of it, and it's like a paintbrush, and it begins to paint a picture, a, a destructive, a, a, a messed up picture of your life, and then they back off when they're finished and say, that's what God's got for you. And newsflash, newsflash, attention in the sanctuary. You will run into more false prophets outside the church than you will inside the church. Our dilemma is, is that we come to church looking for false prophets and we never recognize the false prophets in our life every day. For some of you, you have a parent that was a false prophet because they looked at you and the words that they painted was this, you will never amount to anything. For some of you, you had a teacher that was a false prophet because you struggled in school and they looked at you and said, you're dumb and you'll never be successful in life and I don't, I don't believe you'll ever do anything great in life. That's a false prophet. For some of you, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ex that looked at you and tried to paint a picture of you and say you're undesirable and you're unlovable and nobody's ever going to want you and you're always going to be this messed up. And they back off and say, that's what God's got planned for you. And if we don't know how to judge fruit, we'll go, well, they said. They said. For some of us, we have bosses in our life even now or in the past, they've looked at us and they've tried to paint us as, as, as lazy and, 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 and unhirable and, un, and unworthy. And we just back off and go, that. those are false prophets. 
And Jesus says, if you can ever learn to examine their fruit, you will recognize that their words, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, their words don't line up with my word. So if it doesn't line up with my word, it doesn't matter if it was a parent, it doesn't matter if it was a friend, it doesn't matter if it was a classmate, it doesn't matter if it's a spouse, then it doesn't line up with his word. They are false prophets. And Jesus says you've got to be able to try to learn how to discern and read their fruit. Jesus puts a huge emphasis on examining fruit. He puts a huge emphasis on it. He says we all bear after our own kind. In other words, if you didn't know this, a liar will produce the fruit of lies. They can't help it. Okay, I didn't get no help, so let me try another. A gossip will produce the fruit of gossip. I didn't get help. A cheat will produce the fruit of cheating. Okay, you're A lazy will produce. I couldn't figure out how to make it. A lazy will produce. The fruit of laziness. Why? Because a tree bears after its own kind. Right? Okay. Let me put it like this then. If you have an orange tree in your backyard, and this spring, as it begins to produce fruit, you walk out into your backyard, and you need some vitamin C, like, like you, you, I don't want this stuff out the store. I want it like fresh squeezed right off my tree, and you walk into the backyard and you go to your orange tree and it's producing pears. How many of you know your first call ought to be to the news because something's up? But how many of you know that you got a freak of nature? Right? Because that, that doesn't happen. Farmers don't go out and plant oranges and then hope they get oranges instead of pears. They know. I planted an orange seed. So I'm expecting, okay, am I right? I, I mean, I, okay, I wasn't like in, what's it, ag? I wasn't, like, agriculture, that wasn't like my major. You know, just, I'm, I don't have a green thumb, but I'm pretty sure that if you plant orange seed seeds, orange tree seeds, you don't expect to get pears. Everybody, okay, okay, I just want, so then why do we keep expecting someone to suddenly produce different fruit, fruit in their life when they've consistently been producing the same fruit for 10 years? Come on now. Why do we continue to wait around on somebody that's always lied to us and they look at us and go, I'm not going to lie anymore. And we go, oh, that's right. I knew you would wake up one of these days and stop all that mess. You've only been lying to me for like 20 years. So just tell me what you want to tell me. Come on. If they stopped lying now, they would be like a freak of nature. If a cheat's been cheating on you for the last 10 years, what are you, why won't you let and examine their fruit and go, 
If somebody's been saying destructive words over your life for the last 10, 15, 15, 20 years, why when they why when their number comes up on your caller ID, you go, well, I'm gonna pick it up this time because I know they're gonna talk to me nice. I've been waiting for 22 years. They've never said one kind word to me, but today's the day. I know it's gonna be. Hello? It's you. I never mind. Some of y'all ain't old enough. Jesus says that you can recognize false prophets by being a fruit inspector. In other words, listen to me. Please listen to me. In other words, Jesus says this. Believe the fruit. Believe the fruit. I just want to encourage some of you this morning. It's time for some of you to begin to believe the fruit of the people around you. They've been showing you the same fruit over and over again. And and here's here's our problem. We will keep going back for more. Oh, you hurt me. Oh, but I've changed. Okay. And then they hurt us again. You hurt me. I know, but I've changed. Oh, you hurt me again. But I've changed. Believe the fruit. Too many of us refuse to believe what people willingly willingly show us by their fruit. And then we act surprised when we don't get any different results than what we were getting. Finally and thankfully, Jesus tells us how to make sure that we're producing good fruit. He switches to an analogy away from fruit. He begins now to talk about foundations. But the truth is basically the same. He says it like this. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Perhaps even more piercing in this particular version, it says like this, but if you just use, listen to this, but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So Jesus switches analogies, but he's still telling us how to... Now he's saying, this is how you produce good fruit. Okay, this is, this is profound. Profound, get ready. Get, get up on the edge of your seat. Like, this is going to blow you away. Jesus says the way you produce good fruit is you begin to actually do what he said to do. Okay. So the prescription given to produce good fruit is that These teachings that he's been spending all this time in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7 with his disciples around his feet teaching them. He's saying the prescription for you to be able to produce the good fruit in your life that I'm calling you to is actually do what I just told you to do. Okay, I didn't hear. All right, so in other words, he's saying that these teachings that we've gone through, we've taken six weeks to go line by line, These are precepts, precept by precept, to tell you how Jesus sees us. And he is saying to us, this can't just be sermons. This can't just be a series. These aren't just tweetable moments. He's saying if you want to produce good fruit in your life, then what you've got to do is you've got to take these concepts, these concepts that we've been talking about, these descriptions that I've been talking to you about you, you've got to work them into your life. Otherwise, 
You're like the man who builds his house on sand and the storm comes and it blows you down. Otherwise, you will produce bad fruit. Jesus declares that these teachings are the bedrock and bottom floor of our spiritual life. Everything else has to be built on these precepts and concepts. This is who we are. We have to work this in to our life. If we miss this truth, these truths that he talks about us, says this is how we're supposed to live. If we miss this, nothing else matters. So in other words, we don't just amen the idea of being blessed. We actually begin to live like we're blessed. In other words, we don't talk about on Sunday morning about being uh, square pegs and spotlights, salty and light. We don't just talk about that and then go out and try to fit in and act like everybody else. We don't talk about being grown-ups and then when life doesn't go the way we want it to, we sit in the corner and throw a fit like a two-year-old. We don't talk about being extras and then leave this building and try to fight our way back into the center stage of our own life to be in charge again. We literally put it into action that he's in charge. He's the center. We don't talk about we're chilling on Sunday morning and then Monday morning when the bill comes in, we freak out and scream like a little kid because I don't know what I'm going to do and make stupid decisions. Jesus says, If you're going to produce good fruit, you have to actually begin to do what I've told you to do. And isn't that the ailment of most churches that you've ever gone to? Now let me get individual. Isn't that our ailment? That we continue to listen week after week after week and for some of us month after month after month and for some of us year after year after year and for some of us decade after decade after decade. Some of us listen just on Sunday morning. Some of us listen all week long and yet the words come in but we don't do. And so we produce bad fruit. So little of what goes into our ear ever gets into our attitude. So little of what we listen to every Sunday morning at Passion or wherever else you go. So little of whatever you're listening to on a daily basis on a podcast. So so little, it just goes in our ears. And so little of it ever impacts our entertainment choices. So little of what we have go into our ear ever has any impact. We never allow it to have any impact on our relationships. So little of what we listen to ever really has any impact. We won't allow it. We won't allow it to impact our money. Our decisions. And so James comes along behind Jesus and he drives it home and he says it like this. Do not merely listen to the word. Listen to this now. Do not merely listen to the word. We know the rest of it. We know part of it. We missed the middle phrase. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Didn't know that part was there, did you? We just know it like this. Don't just listen to the word, but be doers of the word. Remember? 
but we forget that line. So he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves because you can come in here week after week and listen to the word and never actually do the word. And Jesus says, stupid carpenter, you're building a house of cards. And the first time a storm comes, the first time the bill comes in, the first time somebody slaps you on one cheek, the first time something goes wrong, the first time... And it all collapses around you and you will produce bad fruit. So basically, and then I'm done, Jesus says this, you will never have more fruit than you have faithfulness. Faithfulness to what? His word. You will never be able to produce more fruit, good fruit in your life than what faithfulness level you have in your life to his word. So what that means for me then is I got to do some fruit checking in my own life. That means for me I got to examine my own life first before I examine Tari's fruit. Before I go and examine Nico's fruit. Before I go and examine anybody else's fruit and hold them accountable for their fruit, I must first check my fruit and go, am I actually doing what Jesus said to do? Am I faithful to these concepts? And if I'm not, then quit checking everybody else's fruit because you're the one bearing bad fruit. We are called to be fruit inspectors, but we are called to inspect fruit in the right order. So, Tari, I don't, want, I don't want you to live with dust in your eyes. But if I love him enough to want to deal with the dust in his eyes, I will first step back and go, I got to do whatever I got to do to deal with my issue so I can see clearly because I don't want nobody working on my eyes that can't see clearly. Don't be jacking with dust in my eye if you got a plank in your own. You ain't touching my eye because you will mess up and then I will have to stab you in the neck. <laughs> right? Because I don't know about y'all, but I don't like people messing with my eyes. Anybody? If I'm sitting here trying to deal with Tari's eyes and I'm doing this, Tari, run. Just run. Just run. Walk fast. Whatever you want to do. He said he ain't running. He said he wasn't running. He said he was going to walk fast. So I'll give him a break. He's going to walk faster than I can walk because I'm like this and I can't see where I'm going anyway. You ain't mad. But that's exactly how we live. All these planks in our own eyes, but I can see your dust. And Jesus says, stop it. Just stop it. There's a time and place to judge other people's fruit. But first, we apply all this mixture of what he's talking about and out of that. We can see clearly enough to help somebody else. I just want to submit this to you and then I'll get out of your way. Maybe you haven't been able to help somebody else. I know you have a desire to, but maybe you have been unable to help somebody else because you won't take the time to deal with first fruit. In fact, some of you keep messing up when you try to help somebody. I'm just trying to help. Every time I try to help, it just blows up in my face. Well, maybe your plank got in the way. Inspect your fruit. Father, this morning, my prayer is very simple. I pray that you'd help us to be fruit inspectors. 
I'm praying that we would take the time to examine the fruit, the first fruit. That before I try to help everybody else with their issues, I would be willing to acknowledge and deal with my own. God, I think I know the heart of the people that attend this church. I don't know of anybody that attends this church, Father, that doesn't really have a heart to help other people. That's why when we do outreaches, they respond. That's why when we're doing passion sports, they responded. That's why we're doing, when we do closet and pantry now, people respond. We, we have a caring group of people. We want to help. So, Father, what I'm asking you to do is to help us to deal with our own plank so that we can be the most effective help we can be. Right now, Father, in the privacy of this moment, because this isn't something that you do as a group. This is something we have to do individually. In the privacy of this moment right now, I pray that each and every one of us would take a very close, honest look at our own fruit am I producing fruit that is good am I producing honesty am I producing meekness am I producing graciousness am I producing wisdom am I producing love am I producing help am I producing hope Is there any self-control being born in my life? Is there any patience being born in my life? Is there any joy coming out of me? As we're quiet for just a moment, I'm asking you right there where you're sitting to deal with first fruits first. telling me to do today if you're here and you would say Steve there have been false prophets in my life that have stood up and with words they have painted a picture of my future and my destiny and then they said this is what God desired and I believed it but now after what I've just heard I'm beginning to recognize that their words don't line up with your words so I can identify them by the fruit of their life and I know they're false prophets. My tendency is I keep going back to those voices over and over again and I haven't believed their fruit. And I need some help this morning. And I need to have the strength 
to break off that root in my life. And I just need some help dealing with the false prophets in my life. If that's you, would you stand up quickly? We will not embarrass you. We simply want to pray. If you have false prophets, maybe they were 25 years ago and they're still bearing fruit in your life. Maybe it was last week. And there are false prophets that have spoken words over you that you know are not true. According to God's word, you know they're not true. But you struggle because you tend to believe what they say. Anybody else quickly? Yeah, I thought so. I, I didn't think I missed it. You can stand, stay standing for just a moment. Would you do this with me? Those of you that are around, those that are standing, because we need folks in our life that help us. If you're not next to them, would you stretch your hands to one of them? Let's pray this morning. Father, we, we pray that every word that has been spoken over their life that does not line up and is not correct according to what you've said about them, we break that bondage that that word created in their life. We break it once and for all in the name of Jesus. Father, we, we, we discern at this moment that that is bad fruit and we cut it off at the root. God, I pray you do a root work today. That you would go deep down into the root of our life and whatever that person said, the thing that they spoke as if it was right, as if it was true. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that every word that rises up in accusation against us would be cut off at its root right now. And in its place there would be freedom and we would be set free once and for all. We come against the lies that have been spoken over us. We come against the doubt that's been planted in our minds. We come against the fear that exists in our life because of these words. We come against all of those things by the power of the name of Jesus. And we speak life and we declare this, no weapon formed against us will prosper. God, you have this ability to uproot, to uproot all of those words. Go deep into our life. For some of us, you've got to go back 25 years, 30 years. In a moment of, of, of anger, someone said something to us, said something about us. Maybe they didn't even know we heard it, but, but it was spoken of our lives. And it's caused bad fruit. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus right now that you would uproot those words because there's the power of life and death in words. We replace those words with life, with words of life. You are the head and not the tail. You are the first and not the last. You are more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. These words can no longer take root in my life because I know who I am. I'm blessed. I'm salt. I'm light. I'm a grown-up. I'm not the center stage. I'm an extra. I'm pointing to you, Jesus. The reason I can even make it through these words is because it's not about me. It's about you. I can chill. I don't have to freak out over what they said anymore because I know what you said. And now that I've become a fruit inspector and I've examined the dust in my own life, I have the ability 
the plank in my own eye. I've pulled it out. I can see. I can see. I can see false prophets for who they really are. And I, I, I put a stamp on that person, not to despise them, not to, not to hurt them, but in my own catalog. I have to do this for my own health and good fruit sake. I catalog them as a false prophet, and I will not believe what they say anymore because it doesn't line up with what you said. So what they say has no bearing on my life ever again. I cut that off at the root and I replace it with what you said about me so that I can build my life on a strong foundation and I can withstand any storm. So I pray in the name of Jesus that life would replace death and true words of prophecy the true picture of what you say about me would be painted on my life from this moment forward. And Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. And last, Father, I pray that just because a series is ending, that we would not quit working the truth that we've heard about us into our lives, that these things that we've talked about, these precepts, these concepts, the seed, this is kingdom seed. I pray that it would go deep within our spirit and we would begin to produce good, healthy, contagious fruit that those around us would want what we have. I pray that we would be mindful of our own fruit. We would work all of this out for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.